The following is a presentation of Gallery Church Downtown, part of a family of neighborhood churches seeking to display God's greatness to the world. For more information, please visit gcbdowntown.com. After two days, he left for Galilee. Now Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country. When he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, so they had, uh, for they had also been there. Once more he visited Cana in Galilee, where he turned water into wine. There was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When his, this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come to heal his son, who was close to death. Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. The royal official said, Sir, come down before my child dies. Go, Jesus replied, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, Yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Then the father realized this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. This was the second sign Jesus performed after coming from Judea to Galilee. May God bless the reading of his word. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together real quick, can we? Father in heaven, um, my prayer right now is that, um, that I would say what you want to be said, and my brothers and sisters would hear what you want them to hear. Father, we're trusting you that your spirit will illuminate and show the way for us. We are trusting that your spirit has the ability to even communicate things to us right now that may not even be in the text that we're sharing today. Father, I know some of our brothers and sisters might need a different passage for them, but this is our text for today. So Lord, I pray that, that, that nothing would hinder us being fully aware that you are here and that you're with us. Lord, I ask that we would be built up and be mature and that we could stand for you in this generation in a way that brings you glory and honor. Father, we confess Christ. We believe, Father, in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And we ask today that the power of the resurrection would be alive in this service. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So why is John writing this letter? Do you guys, this is kind of rhetorical. I just want to throw it out there. But we have often, I think this is like the 12th teaching in the book of John that we've been through. And over half of those teachings, we've started with verses from another passage in the gospel of John. Because when you and I say, John, why did you write this letter? He's like, did you read my letter? I actually told you in the letter. Have you ever said something to somebody that they weren't listening? All right. Yeah. If, if you're married to me, that's happened to you quite frequently, right? Um, but so often people will write something in a book or a letter or a news article and people read the beginning or the end, or like some people I know, they read the end first to see if they even want to read the beginning, right? And so there's, we, and we might miss something. And so John in his letter, and I believe in just the way that the Spirit was guiding him, not just for the people that were reading it in that first century, but for those of us that are reading it now, he actually says this in John 20, verses 30 and 31. 
Now Jesus did many other signs. So here we have a passage. Ethan just read it to us. Jesus just healed somebody not even in the same zip code where he was. He didn't have to touch him. didn't have to see him. didn't have to hold him. didn't have to cry over him. Nothing. He just spoke and the son was healed in another place. But John says in his letter, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written, these are written so that you may what? Believe, Believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. How many of you right now could admit just publicly, okay, I need life. I feel it. I need it. I'm not necessarily feeling it right now. All right. I'm guessing that that means that the rest of you are feeling alive. Praise God. Can you say amen? amen. Can you like shout a hallelujah or something? Because if you, if you didn't raise your hand, that means that you're feeling pretty much alive, right? That's pretty exciting. And so here in this gospel of John, John is saying to all of us, I'm going to give you enough information so that when you see Jesus, and when you hear about Jesus, you're going to believe. And not only are you going to believe, your belief is going to lead to an abundant life. And I think John gives us hints. Last week, Jesus was so into talking to this Samaritan woman, which there's so much backstory we can't do. We don't have time to review this morning or the sermon would be like two hours long, right? We don't, none of you really desire that except for three or four of you that have told me you like long sermons right? But the rest of you are like, ah, let's keep it real, right? Let's keep it short. But Jesus, while he was ministering to this Samaritan woman, physically was alive, right? So much so that what did he skip? Food. He went the whole time interacting with her, and he didn't need anything to eat. And some of you have experienced that. We talked about that last week. You have gotten wrapped up in a project or something, or you were on a walk with somebody that you love and care for, and you went the whole day, and you're like, wow, I didn't eat. And you felt so alive in the midst of it. I believe when you and I can gather the truth about Jesus, and our belief is in him, and you and I are aligned with living and breathing and moving every day in step with Jesus, you and I can feel abundantly alive. That even, even when it's hard, like I'm not saying that, that all the pain is gone, right? Jesus slept in open fields and he didn't have comfortable mattresses, right? He's, he had places where he felt welcomed, places where he was run out of town. He was ridiculed. He had people speak false truths about him. There were, wrong, there were people that were passing um, rumors or trying to sow division. There were people that were intentionally plotting for his demise. So I believe that Jesus can relate to all of us in every way that you feel right now. Because some of you right now, you don't like going to your job or your place of employment or your classroom because you know there are people that don't want you to exceed, succeed, and you are trying to be a good teammate. You're trying to do the work that's been provided for you, but people are trying to thwart it left and right. And you're like, man, this is such a drag. Why can't we all just get along? Or why can't there be more power and unity? I'm saying that to you because Jesus knows what, it like, what it's like to be in flesh with us. He knows it. John is writing this letter to help us understand that. All right, so now to this particular passage. 
Do you remember back in John chapter 2, I said that, Jesus, that John in his writing was making this almost like a treasure hunt for us? Some of you that have been around a few weeks, you might remember that phrase. And I said that John's going to be specific, and he's going to give us two signposts, and then he's going to stop identifying the signpost. It's almost like as if the first few chapters are the learner's permit time, Right? Like, well, I'm, I'm saying that because I'm now teaching my son how to drive and he'll have his access to driving very soon by himself, be warned. Um, all right, stay off the sidewalks, you'll be fine. Um, but, the, uh, but I'm talking to him and what makes it easy for me in the passenger seat is when my son talks out loud about what he sees coming. Like if he keeps it all to himself and I'm sitting there and I see brake lights, I see traffic lights changing, I, see, I know we're needing to make a turn, it helps me when he says, yeah, dad, I know I'm going to be making the turn at the next street, so I'm putting my turn signal on and I'm making myself prepared. I relax when he talks to me about what he's planning on doing with our car, <laughs> with other people around us, right? And so I believe here that John is getting us ready to drive on our own and he's saying to us, hey, wait a minute, this is a sign, okay, this is a sign, now, let's go, right? Like He's helping us get ready and be more mature. And so as we go along, he's not going to stop and say, this is the second sign. This is the third sign. This is the fourth. He's just going to keep telling the story because now we know that we can keep with the narrative without having to identify it as a signpost, okay? So this has happened. This is now the second time he's said this. But this time is different. The first time, it was his mom. This time, it's a dad. I don't know if you guys caught that. The first time it was his mother coming to him saying, hey, wait a minute, it's going to be embarrassing for this family if you don't make some wine. Why don't you do that? Like, how did she know? How did she know he could do that? Had he been doing it at home? Like, hey, Jesus, we're out of sugar. You know, I mean, <laughs> we didn't have to go to the store anymore. You know, it's like, hey, we're out of milk. Yeah, there's 2% or whole milk, mom. You know, it's like, um, you know, it's like, how did she even know to ask him? And yet she did. And now we have a dad. So it's like, look, I want you guys to know that Jesus answers all of our prayers, right? There's not a one of us, rich or poor, male or female, no matter what continent you're from, doesn't matter your education, doesn't matter your bank account, Jesus answers prayers. He talks to us. We can approach him. But here, there seems to be a different type of cloud hanging over the story. It read kind of funny. I don't know if you were able to pick it up as Ethan was reading it. But it was like as if, is Jesus welcome or is he not welcome? Is, is, are these people for Jesus or against him? You know, it's like there's a, a verse that kind of hints that a prophet isn't welcome. And then it's like, oh, the, the men and women of the town welcome Jesus. Like, okay, John, tell us, what, is, what are you saying here? And I believe that it's written this way by John because we, as, as it's being translated from original language to our language, I believe that the Jewish language, because of its limitations in words, a lot of times doesn't have the structure or the framework to say, this, Jesus is probably a little cynical right now. Because you know, he, can, he can read their minds, right? He already did that with Nathaniel under the tree, right? He's, he's already proven that he can just be in our presence and know what we're thinking and what we're planning and what wants to happen. So he's already proven that. And so now he sees this crowd coming to him and this the people coming. He also knew this man was approaching because Jesus wasn't surprised by it. And so all of this stuff is happening and coming to him, but there seems to be this idea that, oh yeah, some of you are coming because you are just wanting me to perform tricks. 
because you remember me turning water into wine, and now you're going to be like, hey, Jesus, what can you do now? By the way, I'm out. Can you restock our wine cellar, right? People, if I think it, right, other people probably thought it, correct? We're all, the humanity of it. And so here, there seems to be some sort of shadiness about what's going on. And it seems like the people are more interested in what Jesus can do than Jesus himself. Okay, I, I want you guys to, to see this for a moment. Can you catch the tone in the people? And then can you see why John included the testimony of this father in the midst of a bunch of people that were wanting to only see what Jesus could do, but this father was interested in Jesus being there for his family, right? Now, yes, the, the father knew that Jesus could heal, and he wanted Jesus to do something for him, but there's a different tone. Like, this man ran a long way, came a long way with a sick child in order to stand in front of Jesus, and he knew that all it would take is Jesus to be in the presence of his child, and he would be healed. He wasn't coming to him saying, hey, um, could you do something to prove that you're worthy of me asking you to come? and be with my child, he already knew that he could be there, and he was mixed in with this group of people that had already been interacting with Jesus. And so let me, let me put it this way for a moment. Have any of you ever gone to like a, just a really cool place, like Disney World, right? Could you imagine um, getting to Florida and seeing the beautiful Disney entrance sign and being like, Disney World. And you get out your camera, you stop your car in the middle of the street, and you just start taking pictures of the sign. And Disney World's a thousand yards that way, but you spend your entire day just taking a picture of the sign. Some of you have traveled. I've watched some of you. Some of you actually have your Instagram as the adventures of your life, right? And you've been a lot of places. But imagine if you traveled to Yellowstone or you went to some ski resort and all you did was take a picture of the sign out front. And your only desire was, I just got to get there and I want to see the sign. Do you see where I'm going with this? Because the people that were around Jesus, they weren't interested in Jesus. They just wanted the signs that he could do. And I, I, I'm curious, is that, is that who we are as a church anymore? Like in our faith and the type of people that we are is like, I will believe if Jesus just shows the healing power in the church. I will worship if he shows himself powerful enough to, I don't know, put this loaf of bread back together. I mean, whatever, like if the candles will automatically go out and come back on. Like if Jesus does something like that, oh, I'll worship then. But until Jesus shows me a sign, I'm just going to hang back and just be calm and kind of wait till he shows himself powerful. John introduced Jesus to us at the beginning of his letter as the what? The word made flesh. Why are we so distracted by the flesh? Why are we so distracted by the fact that so much of our life is just bogged down by what the body can do or what's happening in and around my life 
But do we realize that the one that spoke the world into existence, the one that separated light and darkness, the one that gave us all the cute little animals that we love to see, even this morning as I was driving my son to drop him off at an early morning hockey game, a bald eagle flew down Northern Parkway. Now, right in front of Mercy High School, I'm like, are you lost? <laughs> um, I'm like, shouldn't you be in Alaska? I'm, I'm like, but, I'm like, it was just powerful to see this magnificent bird just soar down. I'm like, don't hit my car, right? It was just, wow, it was just gorgeous. But God spoke that into existence. He thought it up. And that's the one standing in front of this crowd. And they could get to know him. But they were only interested to see what dove could shoot out of his sleeve or what basin of water could be turned into a bottle of wine versus knowing the Lord himself. The word has become flesh. The flesh isn't what the emphasis is. It's that the word is with us. The one, the only creator, sustainer of life. So the question that we must face, and it's on a slide for you, the question we must face is not only what was going on in Jesus' ministry, but whether we ourselves, us now, are learning to make proper and appropriate use of the signs that we're given. Are we using the signs appropriately or are we focusing on the signs? Like last week, I shared with you um, the story, and I don't think Bob would mind. I mean, yeah, Bob's good. If anything, I can outrun him if he's upset with me. Um, uh, I know, sorry. Um, but, but, but Bob shared with me last week, just passionately, let me tell you what God said to me. So here's the thing. Bob and I can just talk about the sign, or we could talk to, about the God that spoke to him, right? We could, we could do that. We could focus on, oh yeah, that was so great. Remember that day that, that I, had, I heard this still small voice in my spirit and it spoke directly into my situation and, and we just celebrate that day. We can make a little plaque with a date on it and all that kind of stuff and be like, yeah, God spoke to me that day. But yet God being right there with us and we're talking about the plaque commemorating a moment we had with him, but we're like, uh, that's okay. I'm not really interested in you. I'm just interested in this thing you did for me. And so I believe this passage of scripture is getting after the fact that when God does do a sign in our midst, we're to steward it. It's not to be the thing. It is an example of the person that is all things, right? That's who and what is happening here. I love in this particular passage of Scripture that this particular individual, this man, is obviously a long ways away, and he's leaving Jesus, trusting because he asked, and Jesus says, your son is well, and he left, and then he runs into his servant along the way. So obviously the servant had been traveling, and the, the dad had been traveling, so it's obviously more than a day's journey away, because the dad had traveled over the course of a day and still wasn't home yet, and the servant has now met him. This is how I anticipate it going. Um, when did my son get well? Like a smile on the face, not a, I'm surprised. You said my son is well? Like, no, tell me, when? Like, like he's looking at the sundial on his watch, you know, whatever, whatever it was, first century way of telling time, how he stuck a stick in the ground. All right, wait a minute. Tell me, tell me what time. Yep. 
That's exactly when Jesus said it. Like, I don't anticipate him being shocked. I don't anticipate it being a posture of, oh, I'm surprised you met me. Like, oh yeah, I expected to see you. Now tell me when my son was healed. Like, I mean, could, could we develop enough faith in God that we could trust Jesus without coming to him and saying, you know what, I, I know you've done enough for me, for me to trust you, but could you just do one more thing and then I'll trust you? Like we abuse old passages, uh, like the story of the, 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 the cloth that could be flipped over and is it damp, is it not damp? You know, it's like, all right, Lord, if, you, all right, if I wake up in the morning, it's dry, it's you. If it's wet, it's you the next day. Like God's like, sometimes he does that for us because he loves us. Like, like what good father wouldn't play with his children, right? But at some point in time, you and I got to mature up. Like we just have got to get more mature. And I think most of us in this room are ready for that. I wouldn't say all of us. Some of us, we need a little bit of our dad playtime, get on the floor, let's color together, and have that type of a spiritual encounter with our father, knowing his tenderness and his compassion and his gentleness towards us. But I think the rest of us have had enough signs. And we need to begin to walk in that. The man believed the word that Jesus had spoken to him. The man believed it. This morning, we've had a lot of songs reminding us of things that Jesus has said to us. We've had scriptures read that talk about it. But I wonder if that's the way that we're really functioning and moving. The distinction between believing because we've seen something and believing on the strength of Jesus' words, I believe, remains the most important aspect of the gospel. Because when we get to the end of the gospel, what does Jesus say to Thomas? We get to the end of the Gospel of John's story. Any of you know that one of the disciples' name was Thomas? Can I get a yes? Yes, all right. Thomas, what's he nicknamed? Doubting, doubting Thomas, all right. It's like doubting Ellis. You know, it's like it's just, it's, there's room for doubts. You can even go to the Great Commission at the end of Matthew and there's room for a doubt, right? So Jesus doesn't, doesn't expect us to not have doubts. There's so much of our life are filled with doubts. And he's got plenty of grace to cover all of our doubts, but he's given us enough signs that we can believe but he gives us grace for our doubts. But listen to what he says to Thomas in John 20, 29. Have you believed because you've seen? Blessed are those who haven't seen and yet believe. Can I just tell you this? You are blessed. You're blessed because we haven't seen Jesus. Like Thomas got to see Jesus, flesh and blood. Jesus even cooked a meal for him. That's pretty cool, right? He had a lot of other pretty cool interactions with Jesus, but could you imagine fishing, seeing Jesus waiting for you on the seashore, and he's already got fish and chips ready for you to go on the beach, and he's ready for you to eat with him? Like, that's how much he loved them as he had come off the cross, came out of the grave, got himself put together. I don't know what that looked like, and then he shows up on the beach, and he says, hey, guys, and they see the fire, they see the fish, he's already prepared something. That is lavished love, as Paul told the church in Ephesus. You're lavishly loved. You're not just love. Let me add a very important adjective in front of it because love just is a weak word in our culture, especially in America today. But lavish love, that rings some bells. There's not a one of us in here that doesn't want somebody to lavishly love us. And we almost have a hard time of even describing what the activity would be for lavish love. But let me tell you this, lavish love doesn't lie. Lavish love isn't dishonest. It doesn't hide. Lavish love is outward. It's giving. It's serving. It's compassion. It's gentleness. It's kindness. It sounds a lot like fruits of the Spirit. 
And so if the fruits of the Spirit are growing in us, then we're lavishly loving people, right? But it's the fruits of the world that make our love seem not love, hatred even. And so when you begin to see this father in this passage, he's setting an example to you and I that, 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 that there's been enough. He's trustworthy. And we want to know him, not the works of him. We want to we be with Jesus, not just the signs and the wonders and the miracles that he's done. We want to know Christ. So let the flesh lead you to the word, capital W. We need to be led to knowing and spending time with Jesus. A lot of us are struggling to set aside time each day because we're trying to form a relationship around a sign. It is so much easier to snuggle up to a person than it is a sign. And if we, in some level in our mind, can transition our time with Jesus to being personal, I am spending time with the creator, sustainer of life, the one that saved me, my true Lord and King. And we can get away from the signs and wonders and we can just get with him. I think that it'll be easier for us every morning, every afternoon, every evening to want to just be against that leaning up against that. Like, this is a safe place for me to be because I'm with the word of God. I am with him. So my, my I guess my ending is gonna feel like a crash landing, but here's just what I see in this father. Are we hearing? And do we believe? Do we hear and believe? It really is, I think, that simple. And pastors, a lot of times, like myself, can use a lot of words to complicate it. But you and I don't travel through this life just to see a sign that says heaven. Can't wait to see the sign. No, we're going to be making a beeline for the throne room of God, seeing our Father, seeing Jesus, and whatever the Spirit's going to be manifested in all of that. But we're going to blow right past the sign. I mean, Peter will be a blur. We're going to hit him and going. We'll get past Thomas. We'll get past all of it. And we're going to get right to Jesus. Because when we get there, we didn't pay to see the sign. We paid to get in. Then we realized we didn't pay it. Jesus paid our entry fee, right? Right? And so we don't need to celebrate the signs. We need to listen and believe.